0: This is Kyle Dake, and you're listening to Sun History. Our, our family didn't have family vacations. We didn't go to the beach in the summertime. You know, we we, we wrestled.
1: You know, I don't think I did anything that no one can do or else
0: I wouldn't have done it. It's almost like I was more excited for him to win than, 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 I, than I cared about me winning. You know, that was right when I really, truly understood that you can't, Get on that podium without being a well-rounded wrestler. There's no reason to sleep in. You know, I I don't. uh, You know, I think sleeping in, I just little bit, little bit of being lazy. Wrestling's just like one big puzzle. There's like a counterattack to every attack that the opponent has, and it's just fun trying to like figure everything out. No, I think you had
1: some uh, pretty good questions, pretty in depth. Only fault was that I thought I could pin everybody. You know, so. Going into the semifinals, I didn't really have a game plan.
0: I was, like, super, super, super intense. All I cared about was wrestling. You know, that's what I love to do. I want to stand there. I want to, I want to get in your face. I want to beat you up. For 17 years, it was, like, this was what I was training for, you know? And this is potentially my last tournament. It's like, this is it. It's, like, <laughs>
1: eight mile. Like, you only get one shot. I felt like you took what was mine, you know? And, um... I was trying to take what was his, so just kind of how things go. Welcome to episode 25 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Earl Smith. You heard the drop from Kyle Dake prior to the intro. You know what that means. Actually, you probably don't since it's the first time I've had it. What it means is we're going to have one of Kyle's fellow teammates at Cornell on this week, and that is Mack Lunas. Before we get to Mack, a couple of notes. Remember, if you have a question or stat that you'd like me to dig deeper into, let me know. You can email me, earl at d1collegewrestling.net, or reach out to me on Twitter at D1CW or at Sudden History for the show. I started that off a couple shows ago. I even thought of a semi-creative nickname for the segment. I'm actually working on a statistic that was provided for me. I will break out the new name with next week's show. Enough of that stuff. Let's get down to my talk with Mac Lunis. Welcome to Sudden History. Our guest today was a four-time EIWA champion and three-time All-American for Cornell. Let's welcome Mac Lunis. Thanks, Earl. Before we get started, I have to thank Mac for years ago, probably 2008, 2009. We did an interview for the D1CW website um I was trying out some new technology. It didn't work out. Um, I had nothing for my interview. I told Mac this. Uh, he said, "Let me call you back in about a couple hours and when he did so, he called me from the Cornell Phoneathon, their fundraiser, and uh redid this whole interview with me and uh, <laughs> I don't know if Coach Cole ever knew that, and uh maybe there's a statue of limitations on these things, but uh, again, thank you for that.
0: Yeah, of course. Gosh, I was a slick little guy back then.
1: <laughs> That's right. Um, a question I usually start our guests off with is, uh, when and why did you begin wrestling?
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I started when I was <clears throat> I think six, six years old, and I think there was a an age limit where it had to be all exhibition when you were six, and you couldn't really start until you're seven. And I started because I my dad wrestled, and he got my older brother into wrestling, so. For me, it was just my, you know, two favorite people there. Trying, I wanted to be just like them, so I jumped into it too. And we started at Navy Juniors, which was right at the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. And we, they have a, a youth program. That's where we, we started, and rest is history.
1: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned your older brother while you were in high school. I believe he was wrestling at Oklahoma State. Uh, why did you select Cornell, and who else uh, were you strongly considering?
0: Sure, sure, yeah. And again, I was. Looked up to my older brother a ton, still do. And when he went to St. Joe, I wanted to go to St. Joe. He was a senior when I was a freshman. And then when he went to Oklahoma State, my sophomore year, I was dead set on Oklahoma State. I was wearing all orange, everything. I mean, I was absolutely set to go to Oklahoma State. I took a visit there. Loved it, loved the people, loved the coaches. Everything was good. Um, But when I went to Cornell and took a visit, you know, I saw something where – Man, it could really at Oklahoma State. I could be part of an incredible tradition, and and at Cornell, I saw an opportunity to be part of starting an incredible tradition. And I really feel like we we have ever since. You know, it wasn't just me. It was before me. Travis Lee started a really impressive tradition at Cornell, and I was I was happy to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest oh. reasons, really, that that drew me there. Like, I think I could, you know, be really part of something special and not to mention the fact that the schooling was incredible. I was very interested in hospitality um, and they had a specific program for hospitality.
1: Mm-hmm. So you and some of your teammates were able to take the gray shirt year after high school. You know, what did that <laughs> year entail and, you know, how was that beneficial to you and your career overall?
0: The gray shirt, the dubbed gray shirt. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: now, I think it was one of the first, first times we started, Doing something like that, it was just, it wasn't. It, it's much more uh, streamlined now. It seems like people go in, they they go to TC3 for a year. That they they part of, they're part of the regional Olympic training site at Cornell, I believe. Don't quote me on exactly how it works, but when I, when I started, Gray did that route. Mike Gray did that route. Mm-hmm. Up with the gray shirt. Um, I actually went out to Colorado Springs and I trained out the the training center for essentially like a school year. You know, about eight months. Went out mm-hmm. there, lived there, wrestled there, and took some classes as well at uh, UCCS, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. So yeah, that was that was a a great situation. It was a time where I could grow. I had some great wrestling partners out there. Um, got to wrestle with Bill Zadek a lot when he was training for his world title, um, and a lot of great guys. I mean, countless good wrestlers out there.
1: Mm-hmm. So. The- in your first season of competing, you get off to a great start, losing only once before you head into the national duels. Uh, along the way, you get titles at the Body Bar Reno and the Southern Scuffle. You know, at what point are you getting the confidence that you know I can be a contender for an NCA title right now this year? Uh,
0: Reno was definitely the, uh, the pivotal point there. I, I I wasn't seated first. I I forget I forget what I was seated, but I came back and I I. Uh, you know, beat everyone. and I won the tournament, got an outstanding wrestler. That was a time that was a pretty pivotal point where I was oh man, like I'm I'm gonna go after this thing. Don't get me wrong, my eyes are always on the prize. Every year, even for freshman year, I wanted to go out and win NCAAs. But, but Reno really was a, a a cool turning point. I think it was uh, Trevor Stewart and then Diefenbach if I'm pronouncing that right. But Diefenbach I think beat out my brother or, or you know, beat up my brothers for the spot, so it was kind of poetic justice <laughs> to get him mm-hmm. from Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah. Um, so that freshman season, your first trip to nationals, you came away with fourth place, losing only to Eric Tannenbaum and Nick Marrable. Yeah. How do you feel about the finish and then your freshman season as a whole?
0: Yeah, it was it was a great um, it was a great season. I'll just say, you know, we got to normally kind of take a step back and and look at perspective wise, hey. Great finish, and then we got the wrestling mentality where obviously I wanted to win. So trying to win, I failed. You know, it's it's something. It, it's a, it's a balance, right? Because you do understand the perspective. Taking this look back, hey, it's a great freshman year. I did. Did I want to lose twice at nationals? No, absolutely not. But I lost some good wrestlers. Tenenbaum's a phenomenal wrestler, and Maryville's a phenomenal wrestler. Um, you know, lost some some good guys.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, as a sophomore, you have a great regular season, undefeated, another E.I.W.A. title, get the top seat at nationals, and go uh, 0-2, yeah. losing to Ryan Patrovich and Luke Manuel. You know what exactly was going on? It seemed like it had to be an injury or sickness or something.
0: Yeah, that uh, that was heartbreaking. Probably the worst worst moments ever of, of my career. And just gosh, that was that so was frustrating. It's, it's it's painful to even to look back on it, certainly, but. Yeah, I went oh and too when I felt like I could have been the best out there. Just did not perform at all. Um, never got checked out, never never went to a doctor, probably should've. But I started you know, I wasn't wasn't feeling great, but when you're when you're out there it's not really something that I didn't bring it to anybody's attention. If I had a if there's any sort of regret, maybe I should have reached out to someone beforehand, you know, say if you know if there's anything I can take or something to make me feel better. I was hurting a little bit. Not feeling great, but I was fine. You know, I'm, hey, I'm I'm a national. I'm pushing through just fine. And the whole year, you know, I, I was pretty decent. Cut to get down to 65. Um, I knew something was wrong when I started when I was warming up. I remember it like it was yesterday. Unfortunately, warming up with DJ Maher, or sorry, cutting weight, we're wrestling to cut some weight with DJ Maher, and I was in the arena and I was sweating, but I was freezing cold the entire time. I was like, man. I can't get a, get off these, these chills. So I just kept going, kept going. Um, again, hoping I could get down to sixty six, one sixty six. Um, after that workout I weighed one sixty two. First time i weighed that in a long time. So, again, looking back at it, it's like there's all these red flags, where so I should have taken some precautions or taking something to make myself feel better. But I didn't. I just pushed through it and and went out there, wrestled good wrestlers, nothing not taken against any of the people I lost to, but certainly felt like I could have won and when I went out there I just hit a wall like after the first period and I was dead. And which usually stamina was one of my bigger competitive advantages, but you know, that day unfortunately I hit a wall and I was just dead tired.
1: <laughs> Did
0: not perform like I my usual standards, unfortunately, and I lost lost twice.
1: So another way of trying to analyze what was going on just from an outsider's perspective, you know, people could say, you know, maybe there was pressure coming in as a top seed, a guy that yeah. favored to win and a long winning streak. That wasn't a factor at all.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I can't, I certainly can't rule it out. I certainly put a lot of pressure on myself, but did it, did that just stun me? I don't think so. Like I went back, I went back, thought about it a lot and, you know, I, I, didn't feel too different mentally than any other match. I was ready to go. I think I, I mean, I shot out uh, of the gates real fast in that first match. I went out and Patrick Rich who was always kind of a tough guy to take him down. I took him down immediately, um, doing great, which is usually, uh, something I'm a slow in the first period, but I was doing great out there and then just hit a wall. You know what I, I don't feel like that was a huge part. Again, wrestling is a hugely mental sport. Um, I felt pretty good on that side of it and just, man, this did not perform very well. I don't think I uh, necessarily cracked under pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, I can definitely, I can definitely jump to not to jump forward, but next year I can definitely, I can certainly admit that I I clammed up a little bit in finals the following year. Like that's certainly something I'm, I would admit, like I, I I was a little more conservative than I should have been in, in finals the next year. And that was probably a mental thing. But, but this one, no, losing zero two after nationals. Trust me, I think everyone would automatically assume that, right? They, oh, geez, just mm-hmm. pressure got to him. Yeah. Um, I felt pretty good, felt pretty good mentally, but I've never, I've never hit a wall like that ever, uh, stamina wise, where my legs were just dead, my lungs were dead for some reason. When that's usually a competitive advantage, and I don't right, maybe I didn't handle it well. Maybe it shocked me and it got more tired because I was shocked. Who knows?
1: Um, so a couple questions ago, I mentioned you actually had a really great regular season, and you had beaten every guy that went on to place in the top five that year. <laughs> uh, Jared Jared King, the NCAA champion at the Scuffle, Andrew Howell, the runner up at Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, Morning Star and Reader, the four, third and fourth place guys at National Duels, and then two wins over Andy Rendus. Um, you know, in my research, I've not been able to find anything comparable to that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But is, is, is it fair that? people will look back on that season and notice the NCAA performance and then judge your season solely on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately it, it is the case. I, I did too. You know, I'm guilty of it. It's, I put in, I would have taken 20 losses in that season if I could have won NCAAs. Um, but no, you know, I it just, it, unfortunately it's all down to that turn and did not perform well at all. And gosh, yeah, it's, it's painful. It's certainly, it's certainly, it's certainly painful to, to reminisce on it. But, you know, at the same time, it made me pretty hungry next year and uh, jumped up a weight and, and got after it. But, but yeah, trust me, I noticed that as well. I was going on the podium. I was like, damn, I really <laughs> blew at this one. <laughs>
1: um, and then you mentioned moving up a weight to 74. Um, was it ever a problem getting down those previous two seasons? Oh, it was tough. It was
0: tough. Uh, freshman year was not as tough as sophomore year. Sophomore was, was tough. Not, again, I was <laughs> – such a mental side of the sport. I was so positive with that. It's not until after you realize, like, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have shot up to 89 every time, uh, you know, after 165. You know, sh- shoot up to 85, you know, cutting a, a lot of weight. And times said, yeah, maybe, and again, that's what we looked at after the season. Hey, we need to jump up. We need to lift, get bigger, because um, this so much cutting really probably wasn't the best thing. Um, But, again, I performed well. Also, didn't realize until afterwards. He jumped up. I think I wrestled 84 kilograms at uh, universities after that season. I think I'm kind of forgetting my, the timeline too. But I wrestled, jumped up, you know, a couple weight classes, wrestled at universities, and then wrestled 174 in the next year, and it was, you know, felt great. I was a little, you know, the concerns were whether i be tall enough, big enough, strong enough for 74, and I felt got rid of the concerns pretty soon in
1: the season I felt good I felt strong um, it, it's sort of funny because even though you broke Cornell records for falls in only three years and held the record for a bonus point wins um, I think most people thought of defense as your biggest strength and I actually spoke to your teammate Jordan Lean who claimed he never got a takedown on you in the room <laughs> um, talk about yeah. that that facet of your game and you know how do you get to such a level
0: Yeah yeah i think uh yeah i was i was pretty i had pretty good defense not only fundamentals but also i can I was pretty flexible and getting away with a lot that that junior year of wrestling when i don't think anybody took me down until I lost in the final um yeah you know <laughs> the defense portion of it was uh something i should have utilized even more you know i almost had like a a greater confidence in taking more risks but i did i stayed in really good position i was I was pretty I was pretty tough to take down because then once you did get past all that good position, you had some some tough tough hits to get by and some tricks to to kind of flail out which definitely learned some uh, some good tricks from my brother. He had a he had a pretty good trick knee to too that passed down to me.
1: Mm-hmm. And so you had mentioned uh, in the NCAA finals uh, a little bit already you hadn't given up a takedown that entire year. And uh Jay Borschel got one pretty early, then piled on riding time. You know, mm-hmm. what are your recollections from that match? You would already yeah. touched on it a little bit.
0: Yeah, Jay's uh phenomenal, that's what he's doing. He was very good. Um I did feel like, hey, you know, I I admit I think I claimed up a bit in um in the finals and I should have should have let loose a little bit more. But but hey, to his credit, he's a phenomenal rider. I, I never was never ridden, really in that uh in that season, most, most of my college career. As soon as I got in my freshman year and got ridden to hell by Clinton Lautenberg and Tyler Bear, I was pretty sure I never wanted that to happen again. So I was very good on bottom the whole time. And and to Jay's credit, he, he, he rode me and that. That was certainly a point in the match where uh, racking up all that ride timing was a good, solid win.
1: And so after coming up short in the NCAA Finals with the accomplish you accomplishments you already racked up previously, Eiwa titles, multiple Southern Scuffle and Vegas titles. I imagine it could be hard getting focused for the regular season. You know, you may think I've already won all these things. I just want another shot at nationals. Is that something you have to fight through?
0: Uh, no, no, not really. I didn't have uh, too much of that mindset. I was, again, kind of hungry for the season as it started. Next season, senior year, I wanted to get after it even more. Now, I, you know, no one took me down that one year. All right, now see, let's see if I can bonus point everybody. <laughs> you know, we got mm-hmm. these. Wrestlers have a, set some very high aggressive goals, as, as I did too. And um, no, I, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel like I was hurt in senior year. I was ready to get after it again and, and wrestle hard and, and win it. I wanted to win NCAA's. Obviously, I was. That was the whole point. But no, I was ready for the regular season stuff too. I think. Gosh, there wasn't a lot of times I was even in the counties besides NCAA's. I was. I was pretty pretty in a lot of
1: the regular season tournaments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So as a senior, you're back in the NCAA semis. Your opponent is uh, Stanford's Nick Steggy. Mm-hmm. It had to be frustrating as you were on his legs, I think three times in the first three periods and unable to mm-hmm. score, yeah. or he ended up getting that takedown late in the second, which turned mm-hmm. it around. Just talk about that turn of events in the match overall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, didn't didn't wrestle a, you know, the way I should have a, gave some stupid errors up like that where you do, you give up two points at the end of the period. It's the, the worst time to, to do it. But but Nick was a very good wrestler. You know, hey, not absolutely a ton of credit to him. He had some great defense and uh, scored at the right times and,
1: and took it. And so it almost must have been disappointing also the way the team race finished as Cornell was ranked number one for most of the year and had a very talented team. Penn State went on to capture their first title and start off the run they're still on. Um, was that something you, you're paying attention to at the time or is it just focusing on yourself and letting the team points take care of themselves?
0: Uh, focus on yourself. I think that's what we're all, all told and all um, meant to really focus on. Hey, we, if we're doing our job, we're focused on ourselves. The team points will take care of the rest. But, yeah, I was just focused on myself.
1: Um, so after that match, you went on to finish fourth for a second time, making you a three-time All-American, you know, listing off some of your career achievements is quite impressive. Do you have an achievement, a title, or even a singular win that stands out as most impressive to you?
0: Um, Gosh. Uh, well, single, as far as the wins go, it's just actual uh, achievement-wise. I, I did, I really, I was proud of myself for, uh, the universities outside of NCAA's, I was, was proud of that university moment where I did jump up such a big weight and still wrestled very well. That was something that university national title was was near and dear to me certainly. Um, but you know, I, all that mentioned the matches NCAA's are are pretty pretty glory filled, right? It's the best stadium out there. you in front of so many people. You're on ESPN. Um, had some a, a lot of the wins out there. Really, I think were were some of the best. Um, As far as stats go, I really am proud to to have some stats still at Cornell. You know, having all-time wins; Uh, those things are are certainly filling me with pride.
1: Okay, so the the first two shows of my podcast, I focused on the best non-NCA champions of the 2000s, and I broke down the careers of the 15 best wrestlers who were not NCA champions from that time period. You know, your name was one of the top ones on the list, being that it's now five years since your collegiate career has ended. Is that something that you're able to appreciate at all?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it certainly can. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, Hey man, you, you and Poeta were some of the best, uh, you know, best non NCAA champion wrestlers out there. Uh, and I've heard that a couple of times and, and some people say, Oh, sorry, it's not backing a compliment. And I don't see it like that. No, I, I appreciate uh, what people are trying to say. And it's, it's very nice. And uh, I'm, Hey, it, I, I like to think it is true. And I'm, I was right there, should have gotten, I wanted to get it, and I unfortunately did not achieve my goals. But um, in doing that, you know, I fell short of all my goals and still had a pretty solid wrestling career.
1: And So you later uh, competed on the freestyle circuit, and I know you wrestled at the 2012 Olympic trials. You know, when and why did you eventually hang up the wrestling shoes, you know, at least from a highly competitive standpoint?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, after – after the Olympic trials, you know, it's just I felt ready. I felt ready to to get after, kinda of go after a, a job and, and start the next stage of my life and and really get after the business world, you know, get after kind of take my same wrestling mentality and tenacity onto the business world of trying to learn a new craft and build a career.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I, I know you're among a group of wrestlers that's either employed by or sponsored by Milwaukee Tools and you know, they mm-hmm. become a friend of the wrestling community. You know, how did you get involved with them and what's your role currently?
0: Uh, right now I'm a regional manager, so I cover essentially DC to Chicago um for a, a particular part of Milwaukee Tools where we, we go straight to, to contractors and and yeah, you know, it started by uh, just and I I saw a lot of wrestlers going into it and wasn't necessarily interested in me until they started recruiting me. Um and it was, it was Joe Galli, you know, he was in touch with, with Rob Cole. They were, you know, both went to UNC, so Cole often and Joe will talk. And uh, Joe called me about working for Milwaukee. And i tell you what, they made some impressive um, statements, some bold statements of where they're going, and it seemed like a phenomenal opportunity to, to jump on. And, you know, I was happy to, happy to admit that everything they've, they've said has come through and And it's a great company, yeah, I mean, it's just been flying up, I mean pretty incredible growth, it's like the growth of a startup company
1: hmm. okay, so a question I like to finish off with is and it may be a difficult one uh, how would you like for people to remember you and your career as a wrestler?
0: Hmm. How would I
1: like people to remember me,
0: other than being the one of the best guys in their one in civil age, right, <laughs> sure. Um, you know what I guess I'd like to be remembered or just I guess what you could say is is, is accurate is that I was one of the, the hardest working guys out there and I was one who was always going for pins because I think some of those are some of the most dangerous wrestlers out there the guys that are always going for pins um, the pinners out there and I think that's one of the certainly a defining attribute of, of my wrestling style and and really the work ethic.
1: Okay. Is there anything else that uh, you would like for people to know about you?
0: Uh, people know about me? Um, you know what? No, not necessarily. I'm I'm in Annapolis, Maryland right now, and I'm still a big fan of wrestling. I enjoy it. I haven't, been, haven't missed an NCAA. My brother and I and my wife, actually, we all go uh, each year, so I'll be out there this year, too.
1: All right, a big thanks to Mac Loomis for joining us on Sudden History. Thanks, Gerald. Once again, thanks to Mac for talking with us. Before I go, remember to check out the Matt Talk Podcast Network. A bunch of the shows have already posted Olympic-related content and previews. It looks like our pal Jason Bryant will be updating a blog while down in Rio. He's also got the PA announcing gig for the games. A belated congratulations to him on that. I'm sure I don't have to tell anyone listening, but I'll do it anyways. This will be the last show to air before the Olympics, so be sure to cheer on the men's and women's teams who will begin competing next week. And that's all for episode number 25. How the hell do I get off
0: the stage?